Welcome to Breaking Barriers. You know your path. We know the obstacles. And we can teach you how to tear them down. And now your host, CEO and founder of Adapting Social, John Vigero. Everybody, welcome back to Breaking Barriers. Today is an exciting day. We have with us today Benjamin Ekman uh, of Elder Law. Um, ben, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, you know, obviously, we know you're busy. So you spending it here with us means the world. Um, you know, for people out there who are like, who is Ben? What is Elder Law? Can you please give them, uh, you know, uh, a, quick, a quick rundown? Benjamin Eckman is my name. I have an office in Union, Hackensack, and Mar- in, uh, Wayne, New Jersey. We canvass roughly six different counties in New Jersey. Uh, I have been practicing elder law and estate planning for the last 25, 26 years since I graduated law school. Went to Seton Hall in the heart of Newark, New Jersey. Graduated in 94, opened up my practice in 95, and I've been assisting families and loved ones for the last, you do the math, 95 to 2022. So that's uh, a good number of years, 27 years. And elder law is uh, the relative, if you will, of estate planning. Everybody has heard of estate planning, and that's what happens with your money when you pass away. Everybody wants to get their will in place. Everybody wants to name their children or their charities as beneficiaries. But few people are concerned, and that's where I come in to deliver this message. What happens to your dignity and your money? God forbid you go to a nursing home. God forbid you have a stroke or or dementia settles in or has a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Well, if you go to a nursing home in Bergen County, for instance, the daily cost is $450 plus. So you're looking at a $15,000 a month nursing home bill. There's not going to be much left for an estate. And that's where the focus has got to go and shift from what happens when you die to what happens if you get sick during your lifetime. And that's pretty much the message of elder law, to protect your assets and your dignity during lifetime. That's a big bill. That's that's a lot of money to think about because I, I feel like when somebody thinks about planning for their life, you don't always have a retirement home in the books for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't always, at least for me, like that's not something that I really thought about right. at all. Um, so with that being said, wh- how early should somebody be planning these events for their life? So one of the things that I remember early on was I did a survey of local nursing homes back in 95, 96, and cost of care was a affordable $6,000 a month cost, which made sense. Now it jumped from 6,000 to 15, 16,000, and that's gonna be an ouch for the patients and their families. So how do you pay for it? There are primarily three ways to pay for it. The first one is to self-pay. You sell your house that you've lived in all your life, and you wind up paying each month to a nursing home the cost of care until the money runs out, in which case you'll then convert over to Medicaid. The second way of paying is if the person is a lot very proactive, they take out a long-term care insurance policy. And that long-term care insurance, just like everything else with fire insurance or homeowner's insurance or car insurance, you're insuring against a risk, but you're spending a lot of money each and every year in premiums to insure against that risk. For instance, ask your audience members, all of you guys have cars, all of you guys have houses. How many fires have you encountered in your house? How many times have you filed a car insurance claim? Same idea with the long-term care insurance market. It's a very expensive product, but without having that product, the cost of care is very, very expensive. And the third way to pay is where I come in, where I sit with the family 
and I move the assets around from a exposed category to a sheltered category, and by doing so, they qualify for Medicaid so much sooner. What do you say to people, like, again, I think it's so interesting because the younger generation, right, I'll say 30 and sub 30, right, so millennials and Gen Z right now, their, their heads are so far out of that thought process and it's not even a thought, right? Like life insurance is not even a thought in most people's heads when, when they're like sub 30, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, say, seeing what you're saying, you know, I do, I have, you know, watched some TV shows like The Sopranos that where, you know, you see the Paulie's mother uh, was, in the, was in the thing, you know, he's like, it's $10,000 a month, Tone. Um, so, you know, I've seen that on TV, but then I've also experienced people who have had to put themselves in, uh, you know, their their own uh with their own money into into being taken care of which is tough so you know back to megan's origin question what what is what is your compelling pitch to people who are young that are like i'm not going to start paying for this shit this early like like what's the compelling pitch to 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 shift that thought process so you mentioned the sopranos and you mentioned uh paulie in real in real life his name was jimmy galfano if i recall And there was a very interesting estate case about him because he died without a will, surprisingly. And there was a big issue, just like Prince, the artist known as Prince. That's a name you may remember. He died without a will. And there was a big contest about that. There has been Supreme Court justices that have died without wills. And there have been estate litigation matters over their respective estates. The big thing that I'm facing isn't for a 70-year-old or 90-year-old. I'm facing situations now with 30-year-olds that they have all of their photos and all their codes on Instagram and Spotify and Facebook and Apple and all that stuff. Those codes in which they sh- they've saved all their data, where are they going to be saved? Where are they going to be transferred to the next generation? And without the right kind of planning in place, maybe a 30-year-old doesn't have $50 million, but they've got 50 million pictures uh, and selfies all over the world with them taking pictures of friends and, and what have you. So you have to store that. So that's part of estate planning. So estate planning has gone from the, the wealth to transferring matter, items that matter to family members and individuals. I see what you're saying. What does the cost look like for something like that? I want to really educate people so that like they understand the difference. Like So like if somebody's trying to just like get started or an entry level, like what, what's the base or ballpark cost for something like that? So we sit with the client, uh, we basically have a consultation, lasts typically an hour, and within the hour, we are able to really flesh out the issues. When you have a 90-year-old individual or 70-year-old individual who's come to me and they have to put their loved one in a nursing home because that person is demented, we have to do transfers of assets, we have to do uh, powers of attorney, guardianships, living wills, healthcare proxies. I can tell you stories upon stories about what's going on in my in, right. in my desk yes, today. today. Okay? Right. We charge a consultation of $500, and that enables us to have a real merge between the facts that the family knows and the law that we know, okay? They have an unfair advantage over we do, over us, if you will, initially, because they have all the facts. We have to get up to the facts and circumstances of the respective case. I know the law, and I can carve out the exceptions to the law to fit that situation, but I have to be up to pace. So we start with a consultation which of $500, which is credited to future work. Now, there are attorneys who will give you a free consultation. I appreciate that. I respect that. 
but I've had clients who have come to me who've said, we've gone to colleagues of yours who have given free consultations and you. And whereas they go around the bush and hem and haw, you go right to the matter of fact because you're giving us concrete answers because we're paying for concrete answers. I do not believe in fluff. I didn't believe in sincerity. The client needs to know exactly what they can expect because if they don't expect or they aren't aware of it and it's a big surprise, it's going to shock them. And that's something we don't want to do. We want them to handle the medical and the emotional aspects of handling the nursing home admission. We will handle the legal and the financial. Got it. Thank you for that. This podcast is sponsored by Hatteras, a leader in print-based communications with services ranging from high impact direct mail and packaging to retail graphics and environmental branding. Hatteras helps global brands engage with their target audience through the power of print. Reach out to them at hatteras.us for help with your next print project. <clears throat> one, one of the questions I think too, I wanna, I wanna move away for a quick second. So a lot, of, a lot of people, whether they're in high school or they're in college right now and they wanna be an attorney, um, I know that being an attorney is not something that happens very quickly, right? It's, it's, a, it's a long process, a lot of studying, a lot of, a lot of education, right? Um, what, what, what piece of advice would you give to younger people who want to become an attorney um, that may be going through it and that are like, damn, this is freaking tough? Um, any advice that got you through law school? Oh, that's a great question. And I'm going to make another reference to a movie that you've never heard of, but the, the movie was called The Paper Chase. All right. And the, the, and it's a common thing that happens throughout law school. You look to your left, you look to your right. One of you guys won't be here in three years time. Well, that, that didn't happen in my situation when I went to Seton Hall, but it did happen in the movie. Uh, what I was very blessed with was that I went to undergraduate program at Turo College and I was an accounting major. So I knew I wasn't on track to be a a uh how shall we say a clerk for one of the judges i like the financial aspect of things and in fact because i had such a strong accounting background merged with law when i graduated i was actually recruited by the fbi to get into forensic accounting and to get into white collar crime sort of like that's how they got john Gotti by tax evasion as opposed to finding him pointing a gun in somebody so the law has got a lot of different areas to it and i got involved by going to a seminar that a premier elder law attorney in New Jersey was putting on. I had taken a couple of uh, courses in law school about property and trusts and estates and tax. So it was a natural avenue. And when you're dealing with elder law, you're dealing with the compassionate aspect of senior citizens. Plus you're also dealing with tax rules and you're dealing with real estate and property laws all at once. So I'm doing a lot of different areas of law within the elder law umbrella. But if I would advise my son or my children to get into law today, it would have to be in the area of health law, okay, and regulations along along uh, along that tier. Because many years ago, there was a case called Terry Schiavo and Nancy Cruzan and things of that nature, whereby the woman did not have a living will, and she wound up having a car accident. You may be familiar with some of these names. And because of that, New Jersey and many other states spurred an act called the, uh, the Living Will Act, which enables people to make their own decisions vis-a-vis -vis their health care before a, situ a situation arises. That's pretty much what I do for my clients. I make sure that they have their living wills in place so they can speak or that document can speak for them in the event they're unable to do so. Fast forward with Obamacare having been passed probably about a decade ago, there's a lot of regulations in the health law area and we're aging as a society. 
I mean, we're turning, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but every day people are turning 65 and qualifying for Medicare and Medicaid down the line and social security benefits. There's a lot of areas of law that deals with that. Uh, international law is another very good area because now that uh, Thomas Friedman wrote a book, the world is flat, right? And that basically means that everybody is connected. You can you can go to anywhere in the world and have business dealings with other parts of the world as long as you have a legal background and you're good at it. So the area of international law, the area of health law, certainly elder law is is a wonderful. Gone are the days of this glorious L.A. law days or uh, or suits in the modern era. All right, I'm I'm quoting a movie, a television program from the 1980s called L.A. Law, which you may have heard of. But the more net, the one that people, your viewers might listen to is, or know about is Suits. Um, love that show. Today at every episode. <laughs> yeah, love that show. Dr. Joe is an expert with the leading residential solar company in the country. His passion to help others combined with the goal of having the world run on the sun can change how our planet is powered forever. It costs you nothing and can either totally eliminate your electric bill or at least cut it down significantly. It's free money. Go to www.drjoenosolar.com to see if you qualify for solar and help make the world a better place. So is there any, is there any like, did you have any specific education hacks or things that you did that helped you study better though? So when I went to law school, I already had a very solid background in accounting. So I had taken some tax related classes in law school, in, uh, in the undergraduate program. Right. I also took a business course, uh, business law course. So I was familiar with some of the ideas. Uh, typically in law school, you have a core curriculum where you have to take civil procedure and contracts and property, constitutional law. Those are basic requirements in your first year, legal writing and the like. Uh, once you get out of your first year, and I did pretty well my first year, once you're done with your first year, you can then choose to take electives. And I tilted more towards the financial rather than the litigation side. Some attorneys want to be civil litigators, and that means you're in the courtroom litigating, much like you would see in suits. I'm behind the scene and I stay more uh, transactional whereby a client will come to me and I have an IRA and I got to deal with this. So I know how to deal with the financial aspects of these legal entities and these transactions rather than dealing with the courthouse, the courtroom. That said, I do sometimes go to court whereby a client is demented and they have to apply for guardianship. So along those lines, we go to court and we ask the judge for permission to declare this individual a mentally incapacitated person because the that, that in front of them i'm sorry in front of in front of the client client typically is not available to, to okay i was gonna say i was gonna say that's gotta be tough standing there hearing that <laughs> it's it's a very difficult procedure because now you're stripping that individual of certain legal rights a a ward of the state is not allowed to vote they can't drive so you have to be very delicate with these kind of rules and regulations as wow. you go forward with them this is like, I think similar. Are you familiar with the Britney Spears case? How she was under something similar to that, um, and she Britney was Spears is, in that, is a singer, right? Just making sure. Yeah, I know. Who yes, that is. yes. <laughs> but she was she was under something similar where her rights were taken away from her, and she was deemed, you know, mentally, mm -hmm. you know, she just wasn't there. Was her, her father was the guardian over that case. Yes. And about I'd say about two three months ago, maybe less her father renounced guardianship and that restored her to full control of her assets and her being. Yeah, which I hear is really difficult to do. Once you make the switch, it's really difficult to reverse it, right? So just yesterday, um, I filed papers with a with the court 
a woman passed away and she was the guardian over her son who's disabled. All right. We didn't even get into that area. We were talking about the senior market, but there's a, a, a plethora of people who are disabled who need assistance as well. They are either individuals who came back from combat or Alzheimer's, I'm sorry, autistic children or special needs, whatever the term is. And the woman passes away. She's the mother of this disabled child. And fast forward, now the court is asking me to select a substitute guardian over the son because mom is no longer in the picture. So, yeah, on the heels of if the father in, in Britney Spears situation decided to say, I want out, somebody else would have to step in to make that uh, decisions, to make those decisions. Wow, that's tough for you to choose, too. So in that case, in that specific situation, it was your decision of who was the guardian next? It's going to be the decision of the families. The father, on that particular instance, the father now is not in a position to help the son. He is got his own medical issues, but there's a very close family friend who has stepped up to help the father. So I'm presuming that she'll also step up to help the, the son as well. Yeah. 20 minutes before our meeting, I sent her an email saying, this is what's going on. Let's talk at 830, 845. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Holy smokes. Oh, my gosh. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Yeah, yeah let us know. <laughs> Please. Let us know. That's interesting. Yeah. So one of the things, too, so we're getting close to the end here, and I, I like to get some entrepreneurial questions out. Now, when you were when you were obviously getting through, you know, the first couple of years in business, what what were what were some of your biggest challenges, and then what is something you're the most proud of, uh, you know, to date? The same challenge I had then is the same challenge that I have now, which is to educate the uh, consumer. Uh, there was a outfit called Sai Sims or Sai Sims Business, um, sorry, a clothier, where an educated consumer is our best customer. The more informed you are the better you are to handle these situations. Right. It's a level of sophistication. The more informed the buyer is to ask the right questions, that's going to be a individual that I appreciate to handle matters with. Right. And going to my blog, I send out a blog post every single day. So there's a lot of good concrete information and the, I'll, I'll just plug it, ekman.eldolor, yep. uh, that's the blog. So you can go into my website and check out my blog and, and go there. That Those are the most difficult challenges. What am I most proud of? Well, economically, back in 94, when I graduated, there, there was a minor recession. So people weren't hiring. So I decided to just open up my own practice. And people were saying, oh, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. Well, there's nothing like working for yourself. On the other, on one hand, you have any day vacation you want. On the other hand, you don't know where your paycheck, your next paycheck is coming from. Yep. <laughs> so there are perks and drawbacks on both. But uh, I was able to get into a field at that time and had I been more, and this is another regret, I am not as computer savvy as your generation. I get that. I respect that. We were, we were coming into being right when the internet was exploding, and we didn't quite understand what, was that, what that all was about. So had I spent my time developing my web presence back then the way I have now, it would be uh, a lot better, if you will. <laughs> mm, I like that. I like that. Um, Meg, do you have any final questions? And if I can just make one final comment, yeah. I used to do my seminar. I used to get my business by going to the local libraries, inviting the seminar attendees through the mail, the typical conventional way, speak to 40, 50 seniors who would pack the library, and I do three or four of these a month. And I'd meet 200 people, and invariably they would become clients. Well, unfortunately, with COVID, libraries are closed, seniors don't gather to that extent anymore. 
So what I've done was I've tilted more to the social media presence, whereby I am on Facebook, I am on LinkedIn, I am on Google My Business, I am on podcasts and stuff like that. So my SEO presence, all that stuff and related matters are much bigger and a better presence than it was two, three years ago. Right. Definitely. Do you want to share some of your um, social media profiles? So you mentioned you're on Facebook and Instagram. Is the handle the same on both? Not Instagram, LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. I'm not, I, I haven't graduated to uh, Instagram yet, but I'm on LinkedIn. I'm sorry, LinkedIn, Facebook, Google My Business in both Union, in, in Union Hackensack and Wayne. And you can go to my website, ekman.eldolor.com and get a lot of good information about everything that we talk about. I don't just post issues relating to legal matters. I also talk about senior health related matters. For instance, last week, I just posted an article about how, what food products is good to eat to avoid having kidney stones or why is uh, broccoli a good food product for you to prevent Alzheimer's, something like that. Something a little different out of the box. And uh, I try to snoop around looking for articles that will help support that position. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you on the spot, Ben. You ready for this? Sure. So now, because obviously based off the work that you do, and this is something that I do for every, every guest, so it's not, it's not just you I'm doing this to. But, you know, I like to, I like to understand obviously legacy, right? And, and what the goal is, right? And there's no better way to do that than reverse engineer the end, right? Where, where you're working with some of your clients right now, right? So, you know, on your, obviously on your, your gravestone, there's typically loving father, business person, whatever it is, right? You know, what would your plot say, you know, when it's your time and how are you working to get towards that legacy? Sincere, compassionate, legitimate. Basically, I self help save people's assets when they're faced with crises. Right. And if that is an epithet, use it. If it's more of a slogan, use it. But, <laughs> uh, in, in a nutshell, what was my phrase? Elder law. Because you, uh, what's the phrase I use? Elder law. You're a day older than you were yesterday. Okay. <laughs> and he who has the most birthdays lives the longest. So right. it's all about positivity. You know, whether it's, whether it's going out with a young lady and she rejects you or a client says thank you but i'm not interested in date uh, in retaining your services i've been rejected by many and any person who is in self-employed or in business and has been rejected cannot sit back and sulk over the answer no right king solomon once said i fall seven times but i get up eight and he was known as being the wisest man so i take that at, to heart because if you don't want to retain me and you don't want to work with me that's fine. It's now cleared me up to work on other matters to help other clients who will. Right. And to that end, if the client doesn't want to spend $500 on a consultation, I respect that. Right. But that client is probably not going to spend several thousand dollars to protect several hundred thousand dollars. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a good way to... mindset of people. Yeah. I love... Go ahead. I was gonna say I love how quickly you came up with your uh, your gravestone. <laughs> you already knew this. You've been thinking about this, Ben. My my wife is my wife has already bought off blocks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Ben. Um, well, you're about to say something. Absolutely, just forgot. I'm having oh, okay. a senior moment myself. There we go. 
Um, so, all right, guys, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Um, ben, thank you so much for your time today. We believe time is the one asset we do not get back. Um, everybody give, give Elder Law a, a, you know, a look through. And I would challenge anybody out there, whether they're young, old, to, to you know, look into this, right? And even if you have family members that are a little bit older, um, it can't hurt. I know a lot of people, Ben, personally, you know, in my life that, you know, friends and family and stuff that have been put in positions where, you know, they're not financially set up for what could happen next or if you get sick and things like that. So I definitely would like everybody to take a look at Ben and, and at least, at the very least, check out the blog, know about broccoli and, and all the good stuff. Um, and, uh, and Ben, again, thank you so much, my man. John, Megan, a pleasure having met you today. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Same, same here. Again, we really appreciate your time.